in this part of the service. Father, we just ask that. Lord, we ask that you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive what you have for us. We thank you, Father, for bringing correction, direction, bringing wisdom into our lives. Lord, that you would help us, empower us by your grace to walk things out in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you turn over to Romans chapter 4? Thank you, Rebecca. So blessed by our worship team, man. They blessed me this morning. Romans chapter 4. And we want to welcome also this morning the guys at the Hawkins unit in Wrightsville, Arkansas. You guys watching, watching in today. So we're excited about them. We're going to be going out, by the way, April 14th. We're taking a team of guys. And we're all going to uh, the Hawkins unit. And so if you've not filled out an application, get with me so I can get you an application because we do have to do a background check on you. But once it's done, you never have to do it again. Um, but it gives us permission to go in. And, and what this is, is, I mean, we're going to be doing breakout sessions here. You're going to be able to minister to these guys one-on-one. -on -one. But here's what's going to happen. We're going to, we're going to go and we're going to minister to somebody else and we're going to come back changed. Come on. Yeah. That's, that's really what's going to happen. So um, April 14th, write that date down. That's on Friday. Who's in Romans 4? Did you find it? Yes, sir. Okay. Got two of them. Romans 4. Okay. Let's, uh, let's, we're going to begin reading in verse 1, Romans chapter 4. It says, Abraham was humanly speaking the founder of our Jewish nation. What did he discover about being made right with God? Pay attention to this. If his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he would have had something to boast about. But that was not God's way. For scripture tells us Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. Right here is the definition of faith. Is Abraham believed God and he's made righteous because he believed what God said. That in essence is faith. Is taking God at his word and believing what he said. Are you with me? Okay, then verse 4, it says, When people work, their wages are not a gift, but something they have earned. How many employees in here can say amen? Yeah. And, but people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in the God, who, in God who forgives sinners. David described the happiness of those who are declared righteous without working for it. Now, this is referring back to Psalms 32, verse 1, but it says it right here in the next verse. In verse 1, it says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Now, that, that means that we should never have a depressed Christian. <laughs> if anybody has a reason to be happy, it's us. Because we've been forgiven. And thank God for it. Man, we should be so excited to get to tell others, man, I, you're forgiven too, man. You can be forgiven. If you're not, if you have not accepted Jesus, made him Lord and Savior of your life, meaning you've given your life to him, man, you have a reason to rejoice. I think we forget sometimes what we've been forgiven of. 
You know, we've taken that scripture out of context that says those who have been forgiven much, they love much. Well, if you look back, we've all been forgiven the same. Some people might have done worse things than other people, but that doesn't mean they've been forgiven more. I was just as hell down. Because all of sin and falling short means we've fallen short of the market, means we needed Jesus to come and forgive us and so we could receive him so then we'd be accepted in him. But what pleases God? Faith pleases God. What is faith? Faith is believing what God said. All right, let me get back on track. Verse 9. Let's jump to verse 9. Masha, she's hanging with me. I know sometimes I'm a little hard to keep up with. Sorry. Verse 9 of chapter 4 says that Abraham was counted righteous by God because of his faith. Now in verse 11, it says this. It says, also, we are counted as righteous because of our faith. Think about that. You and I are counted righteous because of our faith. It's not based on circumcision. It's not based on works. It's not based on are you good enough. It's a free gift. We receive it. And so our, our faith has to be in him. And then in verse 16, it says, so the promise is received by faith. It is a free gift. For Abraham is the father of all who believed. In verse 17, it says that that is what the scripture means. When God told him, I have, I'm sorry, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Now look at verse 18. It says, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. So he didn't need hope to hope. Because it just said that. Even when there was no reason to hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though he was about 100 years of age. And he figured that his body was as good as dead and also, and so was Sarah's womb. So Abraham looked at his body and he says, well, it's over. Because it just said it. He considered his body is dead because he's 100 years old. He's not going to have any more kids. And, he's, and he looked at Sarah's womb and said, and Sarah's not having any kids. Here's one thing that faith doesn't do. This is not faith. Ignoring the facts. Ignoring the truth about something. That's not faith. My mom in 2011, she experienced a massive heart attack. You know, we never denied that she was having a heart attack. She had a heart attack. That's the facts. So faith doesn't ignore facts. It doesn't deny facts. That's not faith. That's lying. It's called lying, you know. But so we didn't ignore the facts. But what we recognize is that faith in God and in his promises is able to change the facts. The facts can change by faith in him. Oh, that's a guy. I'm going somewhere today. So you better hold on. So notice also that Abraham didn't complain about his age. 
He didn't say, hey, God, how are you going to do this? I'm 100 years old. You remember another guy in the Bible that did that? His name was Zacharias. And he said, how are you going to do this? Because he was an old man too. He and his wife Elizabeth had a child in their old age. And what did the angel do? The angel said, you're going to be mute and not able to speak until God brings this to pass. Because you did not believe. So Abraham didn't question God because he believed God. He believed what he said. So he didn't sin by asking God, how, how are you going to do it? Man, we're detail people. Give me the details, God. How are you going to do it? And if we knew how God was going to do it, it wouldn't take faith. I had no idea. Let me tell you something. The building that we're getting ready to move into, I, that was not even on my radar. I was not even looking in that direction. I've been friends, friends with Pastor Eddie for a long time. I never even glanced that way. We met there New Year's Day. How many of you remember that? A lot of you were there. And we met in the building. Well, he told me we use this building every Sunday. We have Sunday school classes that meet in here. We have other things. And I thought, great. I never even glanced in that direction. I had no idea that one phone call, he would offer us the building. Yeah. I, I thought it was being used. Yeah. But if I had known that, then I would not have pursued anything else. See, faith is diligent. Faith gets out there and it begins to go. Let me tell you, as we were looking at buildings, I was listening in my heart. I'm listening for the building, if that makes sense. What am I listening for? Peace. We would look at something and we would walk through it and I would be like, yeah, this is not it. I felt bad for one realtor because we walked, we literally walked in the building, didn't we, Zach? We basically turned around and walked back out. And I felt bad for her because she'd met us there because it obviously was not going to work for us. I didn't have a peace about it. And I couldn't get a peace about anything. And suddenly in one phone call, God turns the whole thing around. That's the kind of God we serve. Wow. Let me tell you, it's so important not because you can get hung up on details. And then what happens is you get out of faith because you're focused on the details. And anything that's not of faith is sin. Well, that's not good. So God was more real to Abraham than his need at that time. What God said was more real to him than the fact that he was 100 years old and that his body was dead. Okay, verse 20. Moving along. Verse 20. Are we going to read this whole chapter? Maybe so. Verse 20. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. Think about this. When you step out on God, what God said, and you choose to believe that no matter what your circumstances look like, you're bringing glory to God. Faith pleases God. That makes total sense that you're giving God glory. What happens on the flip side when you doubt that it's going to happen? You're not bringing glory to God. When you begin to get discouraged, you allow yourself to get discouraged, allow yourself to begin to doubt whether or not what God said is true. Let me tell you, the barometer for whether or not what God said is true is not people's experience. God suddenly doesn't become a liar just because something didn't work for someone. I think, I, I mean, 
I guess something's wrong on the on the human side, not on God's side. Yeah. I mean, I'm just going to go out on a limb here. <laughs> it's, right? Okay. All right, so let's go to the next verse. In verse 21, it says, He was fully convinced. Everybody say fully convinced. Fully convinced. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever He promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. Listen to this. It was recorded for our benefit too, assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him. The one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. Okay. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, it says that we as Christians are to fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. So you and I were never designed to be pushovers. We were designed to push through. Why? When you push through, and John talked about this, I was so excited when he was preaching it last week. We push through because victory is on the other side of pushing through. So we fight the good fight of faith. Think about that. They put the word good in there. Fight the good fight of faith. That indicates that it's a fight that you win. Because nobody's ever walked away from one they lost and said, oh, that was a good fight. No. It's the ones you win. So it's a fight that we win. The fight of faith, here's what the fight of faith is. The fight of faith is pushing through to victory. How do you do that? It is taking thoughts captive that are contrary to what God said and choosing to believe what he said instead of the thoughts. Or the feelings. Or the symptoms. Or the pain. Or the ache. Oh, people come to me. Pray for me, Pastor Phil. My faith is wearing thin. Well, oftentimes, you don't need more prayer. You need to fight the good fight of faith. Remember the disciples? Lord, increase our faith. He was talking about how many times do you have to forgive? Do I have to forgive? Peter came to us. How many times, Lord, do I have to forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? I mean, that sounds like a lot, Lord. No, I say to you 70 times seven. In essence, every time. If they come back to you and they apologize, you forgive them. You extend forgiveness to them. And the disciples cried out, Lord, increase our faith. Notice Jesus didn't respond to that. So sometimes you don't need a pastor to pray over your faith that's waning. Because faith comes by hearing. Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Right? We feed on the word of God. That's how faith comes. That's not how faith grows. There's a difference. Faith coming is one thing. But faith growing only comes through the resistance of trials and tribulations and having things that you have to push through. That's a good word. And that was such a great example when, when uh, Pastor John got mad up here and he, and he ran. I didn't think he was going to do it. And he ran all this little five foot, 765 pound Pastor John comes running. And what happened? He pushed through. All right. 
So it's a good fight. It's a good fight. So how do we push through? Let me tell you. Thoughts, the battlefield is in the mind. There is an interesting chapter in Matthew chapter 6. And Matthew chapter 6 is about Jesus teaching the disciples how the kingdom works. And he says, seek first the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the X on the treasure map. That's what you guys are supposed to be seeking. He said, he said, he said, why in verse 31, he says, take no thought saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to wear? Where are we going to live? That, that is the basic need of every person that lives on the planet, right? I mean, we're all pursuing, if we went and stood on 49, Highway 49 on m tomorrow morning at about 8.30 a.m., you're gonna see a bunch of people doing what? They're going to one place to meet their needs. They're going to earn money, why? So that their needs can be met. And their wants and their desires, but I mean, the, the basic instinct and incentive is to get needs met, right? So listen to that verse in Matthew 6, 31. I want to focus just on four words that it says at the very beginning. It says, take, it says, take no thought, saying. Take no thought, saying. That's interesting how that is said, because what that means to me is that if I speak a thought, what I'm doing is I'm endorsing the thought. Have you ever had somebody that has just spoken something to you? Uh, I had one guy tell me one time, he said, I, I, I just say the first thing that pops in my mind. And I thought, ooh, that's scary. Because, <laughs> I mean, anything can pop in your mind. Anything pop in my mind. It doesn't mean I want to speak it out. But what do you do? Now you filter it because you know that whatever you say is as good as you endorsing it. Yeah. What are you doing? You're, in essence, giving it permission to trespass on the field of your life. Yes. All right, so why am I bringing this up? Because you have a little ache, you have a little pain. You have a symptom, you wake up, you have a scratchy throat. Let me encourage you, your first line of defense, silence. Yes. Silence is an option. You know, Jesus didn't respond sometimes to questions. He was silent. He was silent the entire time going into trial. Why do I say that? Because you can endorse the symptom by speaking it out. See, because why would you give a negative thought a voice? The, the enemy is not a creative being. He's a fallen angel. Satan is a fallen angel. You and I, however, we are created in the image and the likeness of God. So you know what that means? That means he has created the ability to create with his word. words. He has created you with the same ability. Your words, you know, that's why Psalms talks about that there's life and death in the power of the tongue. Where's the Proverbs? Life and death are in the power of the tongue. So what we speak means a lot, right? So we don't want to give it permission. So we get this ache, we get a pain. I want to encourage you, man, let's not endorse those things. Let's not endorse the pain, the sickness, whatever it is that's trying to come. So this is resisting temptation, is fighting the good fight of faith. It's the good fight of faith. All right. This is a revelation. Man, Christianity, we just need to come to.
to, and that's this, that Jesus is bigger than anything our body and mind faces. He's bigger. I remember one time I was, um, <clears throat> I was, this was long before I was married, I was single, but I woke up one morning, and it was a work day, and I was getting ready, I was about to get ready to go to work, and get ready for work, and I went into the bathroom, when I got into the stall where the little toilet is, I suddenly, I had this overwhelming feeling of nausea. I mean, I just became nauseous. So much so that I resumed the position. You guys know what I'm saying, right? I'm down there, I'm at the throne, and, and, I'm just, and I'm thinking, and it was so bad that I thought, if I move, it's over. I mean, if you ever, you, I'm just, I know we've all experienced that, I don't even have to ask. You know, but I, I just felt like, man, if I move, it's over. This is not just a symptom. This is not just a little scratchy throat. This is not, you know, just a little ache or pain. I mean, this is, something's about to happen. I'm about to produce. And so, so I'm sitting there, and I had been learning the week before about fighting the good fight of faith. And I remember asking God specifically, God, what does that mean in this situation? How can, tell me how I can fight the good fight of faith. Right now. He so simply responded with, what would a healed per person do? That was, all he said. that was all he needed to say. I thought, well, a healed person would get up and get ready and go to work. He said, okay. And I thought, I, but I feel like if I move, it's over. And I'm just sitting there and beginning to sweat. I mean, it's not getting better. It's getting worse. And so I said, Lord, I'm going to fight the good fight of faith. And so I stood up. I paused. <laughs> I got, got vertical, and so now I'm waiting. All right. I didn't throw up. Okay, glory. Next step, make it over to the shower and turn the shower on. I get over to the shower. I have to stop at the counter. Rest for a second. Got over the shower. Reached my arm in. Turned the shower on. Next step. Get in the shower. Next step. Get out of the shower. Next step. Get dressed. Next step. step brush my teeth. The feeling didn't go away. I was still as nauseous in the shower as I was in front of the throne. And what happened was... I walked it out, I pushed through, and here's what happened. With every step I took, God met me with his grace to take the next step. Now what had happened if I just said, oh, it's over? Because I, would, I was having every thought that you could imagine. Not going to work today, I'm gonna to need to call the boss, I'm gonna be in bed. All day, I may even be in bed all through the weekend. You know, I mean, you know, your thoughts begin to run. But as I begin to push through, as I begin to do what a healed person does, I made it all the way out to my car. Now I've got my lunch sack, I've got all my stuff, I'm headed to work, and I get in the car. And by the time I get in the car and I sit down and I start the car, I'm 70% better than I was at the toilet. Yeah. Yeah. And then got to work. By 10 o'clock, I'd been at work a few hours. 
and, and I'm working, now I'm 100%. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. What happened? It's the fight of faith. Yes. You push through. So are we going to push through or are we going to be a pushover? That's the question. Oh, man. That's what fighting the good fight of faith is. It's not giving in to the symptoms. See, some people, they have the slightest symptom, and they run straight to the doctor. Now, I, I am not against doctors. Big fan. Fan of doctors. And I go to doctors in faith. I pray because what doctors need is they need supernatural with their ability. Because that's what works best is doctors and God. Yeah. You know, in, in that situation, because anything I'm going to do, I'm going to do in faith. I'm not anti-God. But let, let me share with you a story that is really interesting. It's out of Second Chronicles. This is King Asa. King Asa had made a mistake. He had trusted God when they were faced with this million-man army that came and attacked them. And God gave them a miraculous deliverance. But the next time that the army, another army came, he didn't turn to God. He turned to King Ben-Hadad. And a prophet came to him and he said, what? He said, because you didn't turn to God, because you did this, you know, God is, he's not happy with you. So he got mad at this prophet and he threw him in jail. So here's what happened. we we'll pick up the story in verse 12 of chapter 16, 2 Chronicles. It says, in the 39th year of his reign, Asa developed a serious foot problem, foot disease. Yet even with the severity of the disease, he did not seek the Lord's help, but turned only to his physicians. And so he died in the 41st year of his reign. See, flesh doesn't want to push through. Flesh is always going to take the path of least resistance. You don't even have to train it to do that. It does it on its own. Yes. All you have to do to be fleshly is nothing. Just give in to every feeling that you have. And you're going to be walking by the flesh. But what the good fight of faith does is it pushes through. Yes. Pushes through. I love to, if you haven't been to see that movie, Jesus Revolution, I encourage you to see it. But I, I went and saw it with Zach and, and Jesse and James. And invited us to go. And then uh, my wife got back. She was uh, out of town. She got back early enough that I, I managed to get the last two tickets at one of the theaters to take her. So I remembered that there was this quote that Kay Smith, there was something that she said in the movie when they're watching the video of the hippies and Chuck Smith, you know, Kelsey Grammer, that, that character, he's sitting there and he's going, they need a bath, you know. She made a powerful statement. She, she said this. She said, the truth is always quiet, but lies are always loud. Now, I took my phone out. I wrote it down. Lies are always loud, but the truth is always quiet. So it sounds like the still small voice, doesn't it? Wow. And I love what Zach said last week. Zach said that <clears throat> there has to be a death before there can be a resurrection. Yep, that's good. Death of self, death of flesh, right? So I took steps of faith, and so physically, God met me, and he helped me. Because what we tolerate will dominate our life. Yeah, come on. That's really good. Yep. What we tolerate, you know, if we put up with those feelings, it will eventually take over. It'll put you in a place of bondage. Yes. 
Catherine Kuhlman said this. She said, if you want to see miracles, become more aware of Jesus than of your need. I remember years ago, there was an NFL player. He was a quarterback, and he had an injury, leg injury. And, uh, but he was able through you know, therapy and, and through some of the treatments that they did to get back out there and playing. And so it turned into the playoffs. And so now he's playing, and, it's, and he's like 60 to 70% where he was. And so, you know, he's having to make adjustments, you know, and he can't, he's not as very, not very mobile, and he can't run from anybody, so he's always got to hand it off or pitch it or throw it and get it to somebody quick. And so all these interviews that they were doing about him, nobody wanted to talk about anything other than his leg. Everything was about his leg. You know, do you think you're going to be able to play with your leg, you know, in this situation? How, how do you think you're going to perform this week? And after about the sixth, seventh interview that he'd been in, and all they talked about was his leg, he said, look, guys, he said, I understand you just, you want to talk about the leg. He said, he said, does it hurt? Yes. He said, am I working through it? Yes. He said, I am, I am pushing through. He said, but let me tell you guys something. He said, so hopefully this will end the conversation about the leg. He said, every player in this league, every person who plays football is playing hurt. And if we went to an NFL game, we would be adamant about our expectation on an NFL player. They have to perform at peak performance, regardless of how they feel. So why are we not the same way? about faith. Why would we have that kind of expectation on them? But now I get the slightest little ache and oh, oh, I feel I can't. I'm not going to be able to make it today. I got this ache. <clears throat> Good preaching, Pastor. <laughs> James chapter 5. Turn over there real quick and then I'm going to land the plane. James chapter 5. Uh, okay, well, I'll, I'll say it. Um, my uh, one thing I really appreciate about Nicole is um, I've never known her when her cycle hits monthly, ever. The only way I have known is because, you know, you see things in the trash and come to a conclusion, you know. Um, but I've never known because she's never let that be known. Um, I remember one time she was in a production. It was a two-hour-long production. And, uh, and at the very first scene, very first scene of the production, she breaks her toe. Literally, breaks her toe. Nobody knew it. Two hours later, at the end of two hours, she comes off the stage and runs to her mom, and she's crying. She said, "Mom, I think I broke my toe, and her toes, you know, it's like blown up." What happened? She pushed through. She wasn't a push over. She's gonna push through. Now, why? Why wouldn't she want anybody to know about the monthly thing? She said, because I, I'm not going to let anybody else know what's going on. I'm not going to let 
that affect people around me. Come on. It's good. So I've never known if she's had a headache or if whatever she was going through. I know she went through stuff. But this is this is what the fight of faith looks like. This is what it's supposed to look like. Is that people don't know what's going on in your life. Why did Jesus say when you pray, when you fast and pray, man, wash your hair, put on makeup, clean up. Don't act like you're fasting. Because it's supposed to be a, a secret place. There's, there's often times I don't, I don't tell people what's going on with me physically. I, I have symptoms that try to come on my body all the time. But I'm not going to talk about them. I'm not going to give the enemy airtime in my life. Because I don't have time for them. And do you know what happens? The feeling goes away. James chapter 5, verse 13, it says this. Is any among you suffering? Let him pray. Let who pray? Him. The one who is experiencing the suffering. Let him pray. Phil, pray for me. I had a bad day today. No, you didn't have a bad day. You probably had two minutes of something that happened that you let ruin your day. That's good. Most of the time, that's what it is. Somebody, somebody was mean to you at the dry cleaners, coffee shop. Somebody gave you bad service. They cut you off. You know, family member posted something online. And you read it, and you've allowed 15 seconds to suddenly derail your day. I've had a bad day. I think we've really disillusioned what a bad day truly is in this culture. Let me tell you about a bad day. Yeah. <laughs> Remind everybody what a bad day possibly looks like. 1984, Memorial Day, Tulsa, Oklahoma, there was a flood, huge flood in the Mingle Creek Valley. Our, our house had 32 inches in the house. Yeah, I could, and the, the sliding glass door, I could literally look under it and it was like I was in an aquarium. You could see the water up on the glass. And it began to shoot out the outlets. I thought, we might want to turn the electricity on. We go and power down everything. And we, we stand up on the corners of my parents' waterbed. You remember the waterbeds? Really tall waterbeds. The water came all the way up to the edge of that waterbed. And I'm standing on it. Our collie is on, on the bed with us. And we began to sing worship songs. And suddenly the rain quit. And I mean, I'm looking out the window. I'm watching people's boats go floating by my window. It came up off of the trailer. And their boats somewhere else now. My, we found out about the flood because my neighbor wanted to know why I parked in his front yard. My car had floated across the street. He couldn't see the water because my car... I had a big boat, literally, boat, car. I had those old Plymouths, remember those four-door Plymouth? And, I mean, it, it blocked the whole view. He couldn't see that it was flooding. And he thought I parked right in his front I didn't. Uh, so anyway, so then it floods. Then it quits raining. The water recedes. And when the water recedes, everything is ruined. It's cakes of dirt, mud everywhere. It's all over everything. And so you know what you do? You take all of your belongings out of the house. You dump them out in the front yard. You make this gigantic pile of, the, of all of your stuff that you spent your life 
saving for, believing God for, all of this pile is on the side of the street. And you watch the trash truck come and pick everybody's junk up. Now, that, that was a bad day. Wouldn't you say that would be a bad day? But I'm telling you, I don't know when the last time was you had a tornado, hurricane, flood, something like that happen, but it doesn't happen every day. I get, I get too many requests for prayer for people having a bad day when they need to push through. Because they're allowing sin against them to produce sin in them and, and, and allowing it to ruin their day. Instead of choosing to walk in love, choosing to forgive, choosing to look on the other side of that person that was mean to them and see that there's something going on in their life that would cause them to act like that. Not everybody has it out for you. Not everybody hates you. Many times they're just going through something that we have no idea what they're going through. So let him pray. So don't let 15 seconds ruin your day. Amen. Verse 14, is any among you sick? See, sickness should be a rarity in the body of Christ. It should be a rarity. It shouldn't be something that happens constantly. It should be a rarity. But I think it's because we haven't been fighting the good fight. We've been giving in to feelings because here's what happens. The, the enemy, he wants to keep you busy with the swarm of bees because that way you can't get to the honey. Swarm of bees, all the thoughts, the what ifs, the, the oh, that, oh, ow, that pain, that ache, that symptom, whatever, whatever it is, it's all designed to prevent you from getting to the honey. Fighting the good fight. The good fight of faith is one you win. It's one that you push past what you're going through and you grab a hold of the promise. You know, I shared with you my story about when I was sick. Dodie Osteen's story to me, Joel Osteen's mom, is probably one of the greatest stories I've ever heard in the fight of faith. Because she was given three weeks to live, she had cancer of the liver, very progressive cancer that she had. And the Lord had told her, because she had had all these people of faith pray over her, that it wasn't going to be their faith that healed her, it was going to be her faith. So do you know what she did? She made the decision, I'm going to start acting like a healed person. She said she would get up and she would get dressed and put her clothes on and do her morning routine and it took her four times as long because she was so weak. When she was finally ready to go, she would do what she did normally. She would go to the hospital and visit people in her church that were sick and pray over them. She said that it would take her an hour to get from her car to the person's room because she was so weak she could only walk so far before she had to stop and she had to rest. She said one time she was at church like this, somebody came to the altar and she went down to pray for him. She got down and she kneeled down because they were kneeled down and praying. After she prayed for him, the lady would stand up and would say, thank you very much. And she would stand up and go back to her seat. And she was left here too weak to get up and stand up and walk back to her seat. In her dress, she would call, crawl back to her seat on all fours. A year 
of fighting the good fight of faith. Now, 20 years later, she's cancer free. Been cancer free for 20 years. 40, yeah, longer. Long, longer than that now. But, you know, in her book, she shares this. She fought the good fight. She didn't give up. So I want to encourage you this morning. Let's fight the good fight of faith. Let's not be those that give up, those that are quick to give in to every little ache, every little pain. Come on. Man, push through. We need you. There's a lot of times I put I push through to get here. And you guys don't see it. Because I don't talk about it. One person asked me, they heard me grunt because I, I injured my back. And I couldn't sit down with that. I mean, it was sore. You know? They said, oh, you're back okay. And I thought, you know, they wouldn't have known if I hadn't had to grunt. Because I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna share what's going on in my life because I don't want to give any opportunity for the enemy to take me any farther into that. Well, I'd like to pray for you. Would you bow your head?